0: Hey guys, this is Eric Vento. This is another podcast of Government to Private, where we talk about the transition from government to private. That could be military, law enforcement, intelligence community, or everything in between, up to and including teachers. Today we're with my good friend Joel Rodriguez. Joel and I used to work for the Houston Police Department until we both got out. And so this is a really cool podcast because he's the first person from my former agency that I've had the privilege of of having on the podcast. And super super excited to have him Joel welcome to the podcast
1: Thank you very much for having me man I appreciate the opportunity good to see you I'm just glad to be here thank you
0: Absolutely man I'm excited too man so let's let's jump right in brother you know tell Please. me about you know your history and your career at HBD and then we can jump into everything else
1: Sure yeah so um, I joined uh, the department of, of uh, class 175 you know back in 1999 and, and about my first three years or so, right when I was about eligible, I was able to transfer into the robber division. I was a founding member of the Latino squad. Yeah, in the robber division. I did two years there. And unfortunately, uh, that was when we just uh, elected a new mayor. And that mayor at the time backfilled a lot of the patrol positions uh, from investigations. So I was involuntarily transferred back to patrol from robber division because I had the lowest seniority Um, even, even though it was, (laughs) I had one of the highest clearance rates, you know, (laughs) um, I still got, had to go back and, and that was okay because in my first two months back in patrol, I think I chased down like seven hijackers or something like that, you know, (laughs) and got to educate some folks there in patrol, uh, about robbery investigations, but I made the best of that, went back to patrol for a year, uh, did my year in patrol. And then I applied for the vice division and I was accepted to the vice Vice Division. I did undercover undercover operations, you know, and investigations uh, for two years there, and and that wasn't. It was it was a good job, right? Because it's the closest thing to acting that I would I would get, you know, in Hollywood style. But <laughs> but it, you know, at the end of the day, a majority of what that stuff was was misdemeanor crimes, and and I was told you can't get off into the into the big long term investigations yet because you need to cut your teeth a little bit more. And I just wasn't used to that after coming from robber division and. Uh, making good felony cases on folks, I just decided to move on. So I applied for the homicide division and um, I made it to the homicide division. I was in the homicide division for just under three years, I think. And then I, I took the sergeant promotional exam. I promoted a sergeant in 2010, March of 2010, and I was not able to stay in the homicide division. So, you know, I did my mandatory patrol time, uh, went to an investigative unit. Uh, called the uh, investigative first responder. If you remember, they were a hybrid. IFR, right? baby. Yeah, IFR, that's right. Uh, <laughs> a high investigative backslash patrol hybrid. So I, I got to, uh, I was able to train, you know, a number of younger officers, right, um, in the patrol capacity, but they were also looking to move over to investigations at some point. So very similar to what you're doing now, right? Folks making the transition from from uh, private to, I'm sorry, from from government to to corporate right? I was able to help young officers do that. Um, From there, I went to internal affairs. I I got hit with my mandatory, you know, (laughs) rotation assignment in internal affairs. And, and I think I did um, just under three years there also. And I applied for the air support division. So I went to the, uh, I was well-received in the air support division um, where I stayed for seven years. Uh, That was my longest, that was my longest, division, uh, longest tenured division in the department uh, as both as a TFO and, and a pilot. Went to pilot training. I was a pilot for, for two years and that's going to uh, two and a half years on night shift. And that's what's going to lead me to here, right? To, to making the transition really from, from government to corporate. And some people might say, man, that's, that's like the best job, you know, in the world. You get to fly police helicopters and chase crooks and, and all that. And, and you're right. It, it is a great job. Um, it, it's it's very rewarding and very exhilarating to strap into that three million dollar machine and fly across the city at night doing 120 knots um, in pursuit of a crook or whatever. Um, but I think you and a lot of our listeners will relate that there are times where family comes first, um, and really, you know, family in my mind anyway should always be first. And I say that because I waited so long to have one, and I was in some very hairy, as you were, I'm sure, situations at work uh, that it was time to put them ahead of me. And so there were some family obligations that made me, or I should say pushed me to leave the air support division because I was on night shift with middle of the week days off. Um, for over two years, and that just was not, that could not be sustained with my family mm-hmm. life anymore. So I transferred out and I became the administrative sergeant for the Vehicular Crimes Division. And I did that probably, I think I left air support in April of 2021 and I went to the Vehicular Crimes Division. Good job. Um, people over there are great, but I knew with the career that I had had. Being an administrative guy and um, just managing overtime programs and the budget and vehicle coordinating officers and stuff like that, case manage it, case management, excuse me, was just not my forte. That's just not how I pictured ending my career. And so I, I had a moment moment of clarity one night, and and I make it a point to bring up moments of clarity because really. I think, you know, in a man's life, we may only have two or three, right? One of them is maybe when you decide to join the military or join the police department. Another may be when uh, you get married, right? When you ask your your love to marry you or you have a child. Um, So that moment moment of clarity um, came to me one night and my father uh, passed away in 2015 and he was my biggest supporter, right? He, he, he told me often that, you know, hey, there's nothing that you can't do. You just have to figure out how you're going to do it and put, put your plan in motion. Um, so I, I could hear him, you know, through um, my formal education, you know, my undergrad, my, my master's degree. Those were all things that I did once I became an officer, right? I got right. both of those degrees while I was on the department. And so I could hear him telling me, um, you know, what did you put yourself through all of that for all of those nights that, you know, that you studied the promotional exam, um, every other weekend for your executive master's program, you know, if, if you did all of that only to do nothing with it, to, you know, hang a piece of paper on the wall, um, you know, it was for not, so I could hear him saying, Hey man, what are you going to do? And that's when I had my moment of clarity. That, you know, I applied for a couple other jobs around the department. And uh, to some degree, I think my time in air support hurt me because that was seven years that I was removed from an investigative division. And so I did not. um, I interviewed, interviewed well. But at the end of the day, uh, they chose someone who was already in investigations and, and had been. For, you know, for a while. Completely understandable. I had no hard feelings, but it was at that point, you know, and that night that I just decided, hey, I've had a great career here. I've done everything that I wanted to do. Um, I've, and it's just time for me to go. My, my time is up. I was at the 23-year mark, and I have all my faculties, all my fingers and toes. You know, I'd, we've been through a catastrophic event in air support back in 2020. So, um, it, it was time for me to go. So really, the, the, the transition, you know, for family purposes, uh, from air support into an admin job was the catalyst uh, for me, basically, my, my nudge, if you will, that hey, it's time to hang this up and, and look elsewhere, execute your plan at this point now.
0: You know, usually when people get done with this first section, I have like a couple of questions and stuff like that. But you have done such a great job of outlining it that I have zero questions. <laughs> so, you know, why don't we just jump right into like, you know, once you have that nudge, if you will, of, hey, I'm sure. ready to hang up the, the gun and the badge and, and move on to whatever's next. How did you approach that process of trying to figure that out?
1: Yeah, so that's a good question. Thank you. So I will say... Um, and this comes down to one of my, one of my talking points, uh, and a piece of advice that I have for our listeners and viewers is that I did not know how long I wanted to be a policeman. Right. So initially I'll tell you this, um, initially when I was in high school or just before high school, I tested, uh, for a magnet school, uh, for aviation, right. I wanted to be an airplane pilot, airline pilot. And the problem with that, though, is that high school was miles and miles away from my home. And I would have had to been on the bus by like six in the morning or something ridiculous. Um, I wanted to play baseball, you know, and football with my with my neighborhood friends, um, et cetera. So uh, I put that aside. I said, you know what, I'm going to be the police. And I went to be, you know, came to be the police, got my little 60 hours, whatever, became an officer. Um, But. Probably around that 10 year mark, uh, right before I, I promoted. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, how long do I, you know, by this time I'm in my early thirties, you know, how long uh, do I actually want to be a policeman? You know, I started because at 10 years, you know, I, I'm not sure where our viewers come from. I know the military is 20 in 20 out, right? Some police departments now have done away with 20 in, 20 out. They're up to like 25 now. Some are even, I think what's LAPD-25 before you can drop, something like that. Right. So I was halfway home, and I started to think, you know, I should probably look at doing something or investing myself into learning other things that will help me later. And I had a friend I still do have a friend, um, who suggested the, the mass, this masters program to me. And he said, hey, man, he said, I'm looking at this new program, you know, that U- University of Houston downtown started. You, sh- you should consider it. Um, you know, it, I think it would be a good fit uh, for for what you've already for the knowledge, you know, that you've already attained and the, and the career you've already had even at 10 years. So I looked into it and and that's when my wheels really started turning. I said, you know, he brings up a good point. I can take my law enforcement experience and in, in investigations whether it be reactive or proactive, you know, surreptitious, it's the survey, all of that stuff. And, and combine that with a formal education. And so when I hit my 20 years, at least I have, or 20 years, or I should say an injury or, you know, something takes me or forces me out of the police world. Right. I would have something else to do. And so that's what really, um, got me thinking about making a plan for myself. And that brings me to my my first, you know, my first talking point is when possible, right? Whether it is five years in to your military service or your law enforcement service um, or 10 years, right? Is make a timeline for yourself. Say, okay, I'm at my five-year mark. I wanna be out of here by 10 years. 10 years, at least I should be somewhat vested. I'll get somewhat of a pension or a retirement benefit. Um, 10 is all I really want to do. And so start setting yourself up for wins um, as soon as possible. So things like, um, you know, what am I lacking in my education? Do I need to finish my undergrad? Would I like to get a, a master's degree of some sort, whether it was, you know, master's of business administration or security management or something to that effect? But have a plan because you never know when uh, you may have a family issue that takes you out of the police game, right? You don't know if you're going to have a health issue or some type of injury that's going to take you out of the police game. Or you just don't know if politics are going to enter the chat you know, uh, <laughs> for what it's worth. <laughs> exactly. and, and all of a sudden you, you have a new chief or a new mayor or a new county commissioner, judge, whatever it is. Um, that you just throw your hands up at and it's time to move on, but have a plan, right? Have something else to, to fall back on. So that, that's, um, that's what that's really not, plotted my.
0: That's just not something that a lot of people think about until You're right stuff hits the fan.
1: That's right. You know,
0: and you know, I know speaking from my own experience with HPD, you know, I thought I was invincible. Yeah. You know, like I thought, man, there's no way that they're going to look past all this good work that I'm doing and, you know, put me out to pasture. Sure. You know, and, you know, when you have that arrogant mindset, let's call it what it is. um, You know, you get told all the time in the academy and in service like, hey, remember, you know, you're never you're not important. The city's always going to look out for number one. Yep. You know, and, you know, you're like, oh, that's just you. That's not me. And, you know, I was, I was arrogant enough to, to think that, you know, I was the exception Yeah. and I didn't have a backup plan in place when I was, you know, fired basically from the Houston police department. And, you know, once you leave the PD under less than honorable circumstances, it doesn't matter whether it's the fourth largest agency in, in the country or it's a small town PD, you know, you tend to get blackballed wherever yeah. you go. And so you know, I was still under the impression at least that I wanted to be back in law enforcement. And so even though I was given other chances at other agencies, it was still like walking on eggshells, you know, because, you know, once you get that, that reputation, whether it's warranted or not, you still, you know, it's always like trust, but verify, right. You know, and you know, they're just waiting for you to screw up in any kind of way, shape or form, just to shuttle that, that, or shunt that liability off of you. Sure. And so, you know, I love the, the the talking point that you have about having a plan because, you know, it's like that 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 really popular quote about like you know, no one never has a plan until you get hit in the mouth. Yeah. You know, and uh, I got hit in the mouth three times in a row. You know, and I still didn't have a plan. It right. took me. It took me that you know, that much of going through the meat grinder before right. I realized, okay, it's time to give this up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time to move on. It's time to take care of my family. They've been through enough. You know, I have pursued my dream about as yes. far as I want to take it and it's just not in the cards anymore. And, um, you know, I, uh, I could not agree with you more. And I think that unfortunately, we can say this until we're blue in the face, but for most people, it takes them experiencing something deeply personal to them yes. for them to actually say in their mind, you know what? That makes sense. And I need to implement something similar to that.
1: Yeah. So for, for me, it's, I'm a big believer and I always have been in knowing when enough is enough, but you or I can't make that determination for somebody else. Right. Right. And so I ask folks, you know, hey, meditate on it for a little bit, right? Reflect within yourself. Um, If all the signs are there, then, you know, enough is enough. Uh, But you need to know when that is because the point is different for everyone, right? And if, to your point, what you just said, you went to three other or two other agencies, right? Because you couldn't let go yet. You weren't ready. Right. Yeah. So you, you, you have to you have to be ready. And I would advise anyone that's listening or watching to to know when you are and do your best um, to stay until you are ready, if that makes sense. Right. Don't don't leave prematurely. Don't don't bite off your nose, you know, to, to spite your face um, kind of deals. You know, someone told me a long time ago, don't don't make any you know, quick decisions, you know, if possible, right? I mean, everybody's circumstance is different, but if you don't have to, to, to leave right away or jump ship right away, then don't because you're only going to regret it later. Later on, you know, when you get into the corporate world, it, it could be a year or two later and you may say, hey, you know what? Uh, and I can say this out of experience because um, someone who's on our physical security team uh, just went through that. And and he's a former he's a former Marine. He is a police officer and he is still relatively young, probably one of the youngest members of our team. And that's exactly what happened. He just realized that, you know, this this is not what I want right now. I still have a lot of running and jumping to do. I want to go get that out of the way first. And and then maybe, you know, I'll I'll revisit this. But uh, no uh, one when you're ready and two um, you know, be sure you're ready to move on. Right. And and make a conscious decision to do it so that you don't waste anybody else's time. Um, you know, that after all the vetting and the getting you in and getting you acclimated only for you to later say, nah, you know, I'm gonna go back to the, to, to the cop world. So that's just my take.
0: I agree. I mean, I, I probably talk to at least 15 to 20 people every single week on, should I transition now? What should I be doing? How can I set myself up for success, etc. And obviously, those are super subjective questions based upon everyone's personal experiences. But if they have a current job, I'm always like, look, unless that job is just the most toxic thing in the world, stay at that job That's right. as long as you can, because it is so much easier to find a job while you have a job. That's right. You know, and a lot of times it takes several months or more to go through the interviews and, and get a job. And it's so much more healthy to have that income coming in and that sense of stability, because, you know, where the rubber really meets the road is where you're like, man, I just want to get out of here. And you resign. And then you think in your head, man, I have all this amazing experience. So it's going to be easy for me to find a job. Mm-hmm. And for the large majority of people, it is not easy. That's right. You know, it takes a lot of work and a lot of connections and a lot of just hitting the pavement every day. And, you know, that's where I think just so many people go astray is, you know, they know that they have value, which they do, but they're not sure how that translates in the corporate world. Right. And so they're convinced that it's just a one-to-one transfer. No, you know, and (laughs) it's like learning a different language.
1: It is. You know, absolutely. And and to your point, you bring up bring up another another great point um, again about the plan, right? And and you can make the plan a win for everybody. And I say that because when, when you're constructing your plan, right? For me, for example, it's what what do I like to do? Well, aside from flying, right, I really love investigations. I did three years in homicide and and robbery was great. Robbery taught me all about the code of criminal procedure, you know, the court process, um, all things of that nature. But robbery really, really get, gave me an education like that's unparalleled. Right. When it comes to just talking to people, um, uh, surveillance, you know, the, I hate to use the term, but, you know, the thrill of the hunt, so to speak, you know, the, the who done it. The, the, yes. putting, the putting the puzzle together. Um, so that's really what I like to, to, do, to do. Right. And so when I talk about the plan, what do you what do you like to do? What are you good at? What experiences or formal training? Right. Or formal education have you had? And so these are some of the things that help with the transition. Not only do they help with the transition, they set you apart. They set us apart from any other guy. That has 10 or 20 years law enforcement experience and four years prior military experience. Um, you know, there's a number of policemen out there, but when it comes down to three different resumes that I'm looking at, which one of these looks different than the other in a good yeah. way or a bad way? Right. And, right. and so, <laughs> so, so that, was, that was also part of my plan. Is that, you know, when it came to, you know, people like, man, you've been around all, all over the department. What division haven't you been in? And, but, but for me, that was by design. And, and I did that because I loved investigations, but I did not want to pigeonhole myself just to one type. I wanted to investigate all kinds of things so that I would be more rounded, right? And more marketable later. And so, you know, again, when I talk about wins, it's a win-win. It's a win for me because I get all kinds of experiences. I I, I get to to partake in all types of investigations, right? But then later on, it's a win for you, Eric, the hiring manager, because you look at at my resume or things that I've done and like, well, yeah, not only did he do 23 years in one spot, he did 23 years in multiple spots in the same department, right? right? So now- you know it it's it looks a little more mar- I look a little more marketable compared to someone else that just stayed in one spot for x amount of years um, yeah. so that's something that that i, I really um, you know want to emphasize to our listeners and 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 your and our viewers that you know when you're thinking about your plan right think about what your strengths are but also know your weaknesses uh, because that is definitely something that will come up in an interview in corporate america they will yeah. ask you uh, what your weaknesses are, or in my case, my executive director, um, and I can, I can get into, I don't even think we've talked about where, <laughs> where I transitioned to yet, right, where I worked. But, totally up to you, man. But I'll, I'll say it in a minute. But, but in that case, you know, he said, hey, this all looks great, but tell me about a time you failed. And so you know, as comfortable as it may be, like yeah. you said, to your point, um you know at, at, at some point we all have to acknowledge you know that we're not the billy bad butt you know that we thought we were right. because now you're sitting at a whole different side of the, on a whole other side of the desk right now now you're not the yeah. interviewer you're the interviewee um <laughs> so you're in the hot seat and um that's part of the part of the planning though right Th- things that can can help it you is. win set yourself apart
0: you know, and I, I think about this question all the time because, you know, so many of us who are coming out of law enforcement or any other aspect of the government, we usually interview pretty well, especially people who have jumped around. We know how to interview. We know what the process is like. And, you know, it's the, the interview that we go into for like laterally to a different division within with HPD is in my opinion, having gone through both now, far less stressful than going to a corporate interview, because you're so comfortable, you know, and, you know, I tell people now that, you know, not only do you have to be prepared to talk about yourself in a different light, right, but you have to be prepared to articulate why your law enforcement experience translates to the corporate world, right? And then answer behavioral-based questions like you were were talking about. Like, I always talk about this. I was working with an ATF stack, you know, about six months ago. And he kept on saying, like, man, I keep getting to the middle stage, but I I never make it to the end. What am I doing wrong? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know, but it's probably your interviewing if you keep getting consistently at that point. So I put him through a mock interview, and I asked him a very commonly asked question, which was, Tell me about a time that you experienced conflict in the workplace. You know, like, how did you handle it? How did you approach it? And then what was the end result? And, you know, for our listeners out there, what the corporate world is expecting you to say is a short two to three minute blurb that a 15 year old could understand. They just want to see how you think, how you process out loud, and whether you can exist and use your interpersonal relationship to really thrive in a diverse culture. Right. You know, that's basically how they want you to respond. Well, this guy, and I kid you not, jumped into a 20-minute diatribe about a contentious relationship he had with a former CI. And at, at, the, at the end of that 20-minute conversation, I was like, well, I got some good news and I got some bad news. You know, good news is I have figured out why you're not making it yes. to the final stage. The bad news is, you know, I explained it to him. And as as soon as I explained to him that, you know, most of your audience doesn't know about their unique relationship that a handler has with their CI. Right. Nor can they really correlate that to the private sector. It was like the light bulb just went boom. Yep. You know, and he was just like, well, dang it. Yes. You know, like, I'm like, exactly. I was like, so it's not that you're not qualified. It's not that you're, you know, not the person that they're looking for, you're just not telling your experience in a way that they can understand. That's right. You know, or that they they can relate to. That's right. And I was like, you have to know your audience. Exactly. And, you know, I was like, I was like, that's fine if you're, you know, going up to the SES level or something like that, where everyone who's around that table knows exactly what you're talking about. Yes. But for most people in the corporate world, They do not have the backgrounds that we do, and you're going to alienate them because they can't understand you. Right, right, right.
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, absolutely. And and to your point, another part of the plan, right, for, say, my police people, um, if they work any extra details, extra jobs, like we call them in the police department, right, find some extra jobs that might put you in the corporate environment. Don't just pick the road jobs where you're going to sit in your car um, with your flashing lights on uh, for X amount of dollar an hour because it's easy, right? Find a job um, that is going to put you in a corporate environment so that you can learn some of the business acumen and some of the terminology, right? And learn the comings and goings or some of the ins and outs of the corporate workplace, and so there were two places, in particularly, in particular, that I worked um, over over the years. And one was was a hospital, was a big hospital uh, group here in here in Houston in the, in the medical center, right? And I worked there for a number of years. I worked there from like 2006 or seven all the way until uh, probably 2015 or 16. And the, the other was, uh, without naming it, is a large restaurant group uh, here uh, located in the, in the, (laughs) in the Houston area. And and obviously they have business units all over the country, right. Primarily at tourist attractions and on the coasts. Um, but I worked there for the same amount of time for two from 2005, I think until probably almost like 2020, actually, no, I'm almost retired. So 2022. But again, I say all of that because, I was in an office-like environment, right? Providing security for them. Um, and I did some executive detail work uh, with the man, um, you know, including at his at his residence, at his home for a number of years. So when you put yourself in positions like that, you're already making a transition. You just don't even know it. You're not really exactly. acknowledge- you're just not really acknowledging it. But I approach everything with eyes open ears open, mouth closed, right? Listen to everything and ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask some of these folks in, in these places that you're working because they'll tell you, you know, it's a yep. benefit to them for, for for you to know what it is that you're in and around also. So again, part of the plan, planning process. Amen. And, you
0: know, I, I definitely know who you're talking about because I believe I've lost money on several occasions at one of his <laughs> mini casinos, you know, Um you know, but as am um, I, <laughs> but you're you're so right in that you know the ex from the extra job mentality, off duty work, whatever you want to call it, you know if you can find those corporate jobs that allow you to do both, yes, you know to to serve as private security or whatever you want to call it while also maintaining your law enforcement credentials can really give you like this really introspective look into. Could I be happy doing this if I didn't have my gun and my, my badge anymore? Right. You know, but it also helps you build those relationships. Absolutely. Because, man, like I tell people all the time when you build a relationship, you're not building a relationship with one person, mm-hmm. you're building a relationship with everyone that person knows too. That's right. You know, and so it's just like the Venn diagram that keeps expanding outward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, you know, from, like from a land from, you know, from the in the restaurant groups perspective, you know, like I know most of the security people over there still. And if they ever left law enforcement, they could easily transition into a corporate security role there full time because mm-hmm. they've already built that rapport. Yes. You know, they've already built that relationship. And even if they choose not to go that route, they're still going to have a good letter of recommendation and some good corporate experience on yep. their resume already without ever having left the police department.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, again, it's beneficial for everybody um, to, to actually, you know, put yourself in that type of environment. It's only going to be a benefit to you both financially and um, through some tor- some type of, of, of education, right? Even if it's informal,
0: just the exactly. experience in itself. So what is what has been some of the things that have surprised you the most about working in your current role or just working in the corporate world in general?
1: Um, You know, I would say the amount of communication, right. And in this day and age of emails. And so I think to some degree, a lot of the personal aspect gets, gets lost. You know, we can say, I'm sure you can remember from, from, from cop life, right. Um, Going in and, and, Cutting up the day's events over your first cup of coffee, right? Or what happened yesterday? If you didn't debrief yesterday, maybe everybody was tired as heck and just ready to bail <laughs> out of there, right? And, and and you slept on it, or somebody slept on it, and you talked about whatever happened yesterday. Uh, for the most part, I think in in you know corporate world, a lot of that stuff happens fast, um, you know, and, and they're really pretty pretty good at at communication because uh, we fired, you know, we we're at our, at our desks, you know, more often than not doing whatever it is that we do, you know, throughout the day and the emails come in and you take a glance and, well, I better, better reply to that one real quick. Um, So, so the response, I guess, or the amount of correspondence that comes through, you know, uh, all day long, I think is a big, is a big, um, big change from, from what I'm used to. Um, I think the, there's a way that I want to phrase this and, and I don't want it to sound, uh, as if, you know, law enforcement folks or government folks or our military folks are not professional because that's furthest from the truth, right? We're, we're all professionals. Um, but I think it's the, there's a difference in the type of professional, right? Or a different level of professionalism, um, I think so to speak. And so, the big surprise to me was how quickly I was accepted, right? Or how proud they seemed of me coming into um, the corporate environment. Right. And I say that because you remember from Cop Life, right? You could transfer in a new division. And it may take a few weeks, right? Or a few months before you could establish those relationships. Um, with folks in there, because although we're professionals and we do a job right professionally, you know, or we should anyway, to the best we can, there are sometimes or uh, can be some folks that don't necessarily act the most professional, right, um, in and around the workplace. So I think coming into the the corporate environment um, and being so well received um, and, and the reception that they had, you know, as if they were proud. They were, they were proud of their selection, right. Um, They were proud to have me happy to happy to have me Um, was a big, big difference Uh, was very different for me uh, coming from, you know, some of the other experiences we've had, um, you know, in and around the department. So, That was a big one. That was a big one. I know on your website you have on there, um, you know, a sense of empowerment and it's, you know, I'm not at all, you know, looking for, for power really or empowerment. Right. Because at the end of the day, I'm just J-Rod. I'm I'm still Joel. I'm still J-Rod. I'm, I'm always going to do my job the best I can. Um, but it was nice to be so well received. Right. And so well respected, um, from what they saw on my resume, but then also with my first interactions with them. And, um, you know, being, being humble, I think, humbling yourself, you know, just, just what you said just a while ago about it's okay not to know it all. Right. But you have to admit that you don't know it all and nobody expects you to, right. We're we're all human. Um, People didn't, it's funny because in, in, in uh, air support, one of the things I would get from a lot of the, a lot of the senior um, pilots, right. The master pilots um, is they would always you know, pick on the, on the newer pilots, right. Or the less tenured pilots. And one of the things that I would always get them with is last time I checked, you weren't born with wings. So, you know, everybody gains experiences, right. Uh, as they come along. Um, but I would say I was not immediate. I, I, I wasn't pressured. I was not pressured to immediately know it all yeah. uh, when I came into the corporate World, so it's they were willing to show me what needed to be shown, explain to me what needed to be explained. Right, I had a two-week-long orientation. It was very, you know, very detailed, very in-depth. Where you know, often in in the police world, uh, you may transfer into a new (laughs) division, and they may give you a handbook similar to the field training handbook and tell you, hey, you're on your own. You have any questions about your case? Where they go? That's right. You know, come see me. Um, kind, <laughs> kind of deal. So, <laughs> so just, just the level of professionalism I was shown just walking into the door um, was probably the biggest thing for me. Yeah. The, the, I love the, the, that, and, and it was a plus, uh, obviously it was a plus I'll tell you now. Um, and, and for those listening and, and watching it's next era energy, um, which is one of the largest energy companies in the world. Some people might describe it as the largest energy company you've never heard of. And that's because, you know, Next Era is the umbrella, but they have so many other business units uh, that you know, inner for example, is one here in the Houston area, is one of the retail providers. So um, but there's a number of business units and things that they that they have all over the country and, and a couple of couple of sites in Canada.
0: Well, that's a that's a great plug for next era. And you know, it's really good for people to call out the companies that have really good cultures and really good training programs yes. and and reasonable expectations for new hires, because, you know, from talking to a lot of people and obviously from my own personal experience, there's that expectation when you transition out that, well, I'm going to have to start over again. I'm going to have to start over from the bottom and work my way up. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, you know, with rare exception, that is not the case. Right. You know, like you're you have 20 years or however many years of really fantastic experience. You just need to learn how to articulate that. That's right. And once you do, no one is saying that you need to start over at the bottom because you've already earned yeah. it. You know, and, yeah. you know, it's really nice to hear that, you know, NextEra Energy and, and other companies like like we've heard previously don't have unrealistic expectations. Of the people who are coming in from the government. Yep. You know, they recognize that, hey, you have skills. That's why you were hired. You have the interpersonal relationships and the soft skills to function within the corporate environment, which were identified partially through the interview process. And, but they also recognize that, of course, there's going to be a transition period as you ramp up into a different culture in a different world. Absolutely. You yeah. know, and so it's just really nice to hear that companies you know, have realistic expectations for people because you definitely hear, I think, more along the lines of the companies who get called out in a negative way for having unrealistic expectations. So um, I love that. I love, you know, the two week period that you have. And, you know, um, it just sounds like it's a really, really healthy place to work.
1: It is. It's it's a, a, a great company. Again, you know, I told someone Yesterday, matter of fact, uh, that I ran into the police department, yeah, I, have, I have no regrets, um, could not be happier, right? could not be more happy. It, it's a, a great place. Um, we're a Fortune 200 company and they are, are very much um, in tune with their employees Right? And, and the pulse of the company. And, you know, it's real easy for government entities, police departments, uh, other companies to say, you know, people are our biggest resource, right? Until, like you put it, until uh, the rubber hits the road, um, you know, you can easily, uh, I mean, they can show you how expendable you really are. Um, and conversely, you know, when you, when you come to work for, for a big company um, that invests in you and wants to invest in you and continue to invest in you because you are truly one of their greatest assets, right? Yes. And that That's very, absolutely. very refreshing. Yeah. It was very refreshing to, to come in there and, you know, be again, be welcomed
0: the way I was. You know. Well, I love that, bro. I love to hear it. So, you know, this has been a fantastic session so far, easily one of my favorite. And as we wrap up for the evening, is there any advice or any pearls of wisdom, if you will, that you want to leave our, our listeners?
1: Yeah. Um, yes. Thank you. So, I think the last thing I will leave um, folks with is just coming from the military, coming from law enforcement, wherever it was that, that you were before, it's, it's hard sometimes to shake that persona, right? Whether you're you know, an officer in the military, whether you know, you're a, a supervisor of some sort in law enforcement. Just do the best that you can to humble yourself. Be humble because that will, sh- that will come through very quickly in an interview. Should, should you, I mean, of course, you're going to have a telephone interview first, um, right? And you, you may make it through the, through, t- through the telephone interview. But when you get to the in-person interview, that is where they really are going to feel you out right? Because now they can, they can see you. And, and these two, you know, when we're talking about these, these security jobs, right, or corporate security jobs, hey, they too have also been in <laughs> government jobs or in, in prior military jobs, right? And they're very much in tune with others, just like cops are, just like the police are, right? So they will pick up very quickly um, on things that you say, things that you're doing, your mannerisms, how you respond to questions, things of that nature. So I think, um, you know, like the hiring manager told me, uh, they interviewed, of all the applicants they interviewed three, and in person, and um, it just, my, you know, your resume is your resume, right? But it's how you, like you said, articulate the things that are on your resume, how you respond to their questions, uh, both verbally and non-verbally, uh, that are going to carry you through. And when I say be humble, I mean, you know, cops have a have a reputation, right? Uh, uh, almost a stigma, if you will, of being switched on all the time. And and that's okay. You can still be switched on, but be switched on with your with your ears, right, and your eyes, and not so much your mouth. Um, so don't <laughs> so don't you know leave, leave the Leave leave the billy the billy butt you know the the billy bad butt um, at the door and and just humble yourself and have a conversation with the folks um, you know I I, I approach interviews uh, job interviews it's just a conversation um, really is what it is it's just a conversation that they're that they're having with you to learn more about you so that that's my la- that's my parting piece of advice right is is just humble yourself and, and just be yourself because um, I think folks can tell. When you know nerves, we can we can catch nerves. We know when somebody's nervous, but we can also tell when we think somebody's not being forthcoming or um, they're they're trying to be a little more standoffish maybe than 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 they should be, or they're coming across as standoffish. So just be humble, be personable, and and be genuine, right? And and if you don't understand the nature of their question as they're answering it, it's just like being on the stand. I'm sorry, counselor. Can you, can you rephrase that question? The same in the interview. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not really following the way you have that phrase. Can you, can you phrase it maybe a little bit differently? Um, you know, I'm not familiar with that terminology or that vernacular, yeah, or something absolutely. That effect, you know, um, cause then it's, yeah, not, I, then it shows that you're engaged. You're, you're, you're listening to what they're asking. Exactly. And you're just, just not really comprehending it. And you, you want to make sure that you do, because obviously this is a, a job that you're talking about. You're trying to get.
0: Absolutely. You know, I think, <laughs> I think your switched on the ears thing. I think I'm going to remember that for a long time, but I'm also probably going to have that put on a t-shirt because <laughs> like, you know, like that, <laughs> I mean, obviously I find it really funny, but I find it funny because God, I need to take that advice sometimes, you know? And I, man, I just wish that I had heard that sometime when I was in law enforcement, I mean, obviously no guarantee that I would have listened, yeah. you know, but like, I've just never heard it described in that way before. Yeah. And it just really resonated with me, you know, and uh, I'm definitely like, when I get done with this and I go outside and I talk to my wife, I'm going to say, Hey, I need to remember this. quote." Okay, <laughs>
1: I'm going to, I'm going to work on switching on my ears and, and listen. yeah, exactly. Not- I mean, yeah.
0: it's just, it's just really good. And I, I really appreciate it, but. You know, Joel, I, I really appreciate you being here, man. This has been a really fantastic podcast. And I really think that not only did I get something really valuable from it, but I think whoever listens to this is going to really identify with a lot of what you've said. And hopefully, you know, the advice that you've given and the story that you shared will really resonate with a lot of people and cause them to think about things just a little bit differently. Oh,
1: and, thank you.
0: Yeah. you know, ultimately, that's, that's all we can hope for
1: that's it right it's just just training right it's just we've all been trained to a certain extent right now it's just kind of fine-tuning the training a little bit right that we already have like you said there's a lot there's so many things that we already have and that we know it's just getting folks to say it or say it differently right exactly Um, to 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 translate it over to the to the corporate sense yeah
0: absolutely well Joel, thanks for being with us again. You know, listeners, if you have any questions, please feel free to, you know, private message us on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with both of us on LinkedIn. You know, we really want to ensure that if you do have any questions or that you have additional things to follow up on, we're here for you. Um, you know, this transition process is not easy, but it is doable, yep. and there is there are plenty of people who have gone before you and have transitioned successfully. And we are here to help you. You know, we have been where you are for the most part. And we can identify with the struggle that the transition is. So if you have questions, if you need help, please reach out. And uh, we'll see you next time. Eric, Thanks, one Joel. more thing.
1: Sorry, one oh, more thing. Go ahead. One, one more thing. If our listeners and viewers are not comfortable speaking in front of a crowd, right? I know plenty of people that can arrive on a homicide or any any scene for that matter and orchestrate it just like a conductor. You do this, you do this, I need you to do this, et cetera. But when the camera light turns on and they stick a microphone in front of their face, they lose it, they freeze, right? So uh, again, with the plan uh, and gaining certificates or some type of certifications training, if you are not comfortable presenting a PowerPoint or giving a presentation of some sort because you will, whether it's to your director or um, maybe you have this really big case that you're working on that the board of directors actually wants to see or the vice president, this or that. Yeah. Acclimate yourself to speaking publicly, even if it's in front of the mirror or to your dog. um, But but get yourself used to talking to people.
0: (laughs) Amen. And, you know, for for the people out there who are like, hey, that's me. You know, Toastmasters is a great organization for, yep. for practicing public speaking and getting more comfortable with delivering things, um, you know, in an audible way. And um, there's a lot of resources out there. All you have to do is look for it, seek it out and commit to it.
1: Yeah. Even a speech class at a, at a JUCO, junior college, community college, whatever, you know, take a three hour class on speech and it, it'll put you a little further ahead of the game than you already were. It will not. Absolutely. You. Yep. Thank you, awesome. Eric. I really appreciate our, our visit, man. Feel free to reach out anytime. And like you told them, they, they have my, uh, you can relay my LinkedIn and and shoot me a message, shoot you a message, whatever. Um, I'm here to help, man. I've been blessed and uh, I'm, I'm here to pay it forward.
0: I love it, man. Words to live by. Well, Joel, thanks again, man. You have a great day and we'll chat soon, okay?
1: All right, brother. Be safe. All right, man. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.